and welcome to Book Club. We are delighted to be joined today by the American author Heather Lefebvre. It is said that it's no easy matter to give novelty to old subjects, authority to new, to give nature to everything and to arrange everything according to its nature. Yet this is exactly what Heather has done with her book Brain Surfing. Describing herself as the wide-eyed explorer, Heather travelled the world to interview nine of our top marketing strategists. She lived in their houses, followed them to work and asked them question after question about their craft. The way that Heather writes about people and places makes her more like a novelist than a business writer. Her descriptive powers are like the air in a balloon, lifting these nine strategists above us so that we can see their work and their purpose clearly. Heather Lefevre, welcome to Book Club. Hi Lee, thank you. Now, welcome to, to our readers. My colleagues at Silence Media, Molly White and Natalie Farciani, Jessica Geary from Rap, Dino Myers-Lampty from The Barbershop, Rihanna Francis from Cara, and three of the strategists that Heather interviewed for BrainSurf, Kevin May, Sahar Siddham, and Brian Miller. Heather. Sometimes in life, we do things because we want to do them, and we work out why we did them later. Have you worked out why you wrote Brain Surf? I think so. I, I think I needed to understand myself, and um, I was really insecure about <laughs> um, feeling that I was good as a strategist, and I needed to go through a sort of gauntlet um, to, to feel like I could continue, that there was a place for me. And of course, you're pleased that you did. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, I think that life is a lot easier with mentors, for sure. Okay, great. Well, that um, is a good uh, time to ask Molly to ask her first question, which is about female mentors. Yeah. Hi, Heather. Hi, Molly. So in your chapter with Suzanne Powers, um, you discussed how sort of fewer women um, volunteered uh, as mentors. Um, so I guess my question is, what response has brain surfing and that chapter in particular um, received from women and, and whether any more have come forward to volunteer since? No one has called, I think one, one thing I learned from doing this is that I am, I am different. Like one thing my parents told me is when I was a kid, I would just go up to people and say, you know, ask them what they were eating and why. And, you know, so I've just not had that much of um, you know social anxiety and now that I see no one in the oncoming years ask if they can stay at my house it's like okay maybe that was a weird thing that I did <laughs> so um, so no no but also I mean even when I did this the percentage of women farther along than me on the journey was small and so I think that that's you know a huge it's hugely representative in the number of people number of women that were in the book Great, thanks. Yes, I'm going to ask you to put your question to Heather now. Um, it's about being the, um, the party guest of the year. Yes, hi Heather, thank you for the book. I've got it here, I absolutely devoured it. I've got some swap notes as well. Um, but as you mentioned, you say that brands are too busy uh, being drunk at the party and talking about themselves. And I think we can all name a couple of drunken brands that we know and have worked on in the past. Um, in your opinion, what, what does it take to be the generous, funny host as a brand? 
Um, one, one slide that I put up frequently now is that um, brands want to notice people, which is superficial and fleeting, but people want to be seen, which is deep and profound. And it's like the conversation that we can have until two o'clock in the morning. So I think that's the difference is like, can you really see a person rather than just noticing them and thinking about them as adding to your bottom line? Thanks, Sarah. Um, Brian, your, your first question is also about mentors. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I would just, um, I'd be interested, Heather, I mean, now that a few years have passed, um, what, with the sort of distance of time, do you find other things that you've, um, that, that you learned that you have actually put to work in your, your life and work that have made a difference? Um, I think that I, I sort of realized that there's like this myth of the, the perfect strategist planner. And I think I realized that no one person can do it all. And by seeing you all finding your own way and, you know, being confident in what you like to do and what you were good at and being able to, get, you know, you, you're good at lots of things and you're able to, you know, focus on the thing that, that you're going to pursue. And I think that that has helped me to see that I needed to find that thing. So, I mean, I think I have just kept searching for my thing, but I've, I at least know that it's possible by seeing you all chart your own course. Brian, um, I'd like to ask you actually, has, has your career changed as a result of being in Heather's book? Um, well, I, th I, I think, you know, <clears throat> one of the, I mean, you know, Heather and I have, have kept in touch and uh, I think, you know, one of the things that I really learned was, you know, Heather has many superpowers and one of them is sort of drawing on such a sort of wide and eclectic group of people for, you know, sort of help and inspiration. And I think that, you know, one of the things that, you know, I sometimes have a tendency to do is to kind of a problem and sort of treat it as schoolwork and kind of go you know I must find an answer um, rather than you know I, and I think one of the things being around Heather was the the sort of realization of thinking who do I know who could do this in five minutes um, and I, I, I so I, I think that that's something that I've um, really you know I'd sort of admired about Heather and try and channel. Thank you Dino um, your next question um, so that's about traveling versus strategy. Yeah, uh, Heather, I, I'm interested to know what did you find most interesting, uh, traveling to the places that you travel to or actually learning about strategy and marketing? Hmm, do you know, I think you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've always been trying to strategize ways to get what I want out of my working experience. Like I said before, like the idea that your career is um, self-expression. So uh, from being from very young, I was super interested in the world and wanting to get out into it and not sure how to make that happen. And yes, my career provided for some of that. But when I still wanted more, this was this was absolutely a scheme. <laughs> Dino, um, as, uh, as, as a reader of the book, as somebody who has read it twice, um, <laughs> which which bit appealed to you most? Was it was it uh, when Heather was writing about her, her, her travels or, or or writing about strategy, did you, did you have a read as a reader? Do you have did you have one bit that you enjoyed more than another? 
well, I had the benefit, I think, of having been to some of the places that Heather was visiting. So I, I didn't have that kind of like necessarily the urge to just um, go to some of the places that were talked about because I'd probably visited them before already. So it was quite nice to kind of like, you know, hear it from someone else's point of view. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it was the people going into their the businesses and how they did things, actually. And, and actually, what's really interesting in terms of in five years since I read it first and then I've just read it is, you know, I started my own company last year. So actually, it was interesting reading it with, with that lens on suddenly where, you, you, where you're talking about, you know, different models. And, and certainly in terms of some of the concluding chapters talking about, you know, the, the future of strategy and the future of planning. And, and I'm going around setting about trying to design a model that kind of like works. And you read the book again, you're like, hang on a minute, this has probably inspired so much of what I'm doing right now without even really relating it to the book. But you get reminded of that by going back a second time round. Yes, that's very interesting because I, I, um, I'm not a strategist. I've worked with strategists, but actually um, a, as a business owner, um, I've recommended this book to lots of other business owners because I think there's so much in there for us to learn. Now, Nat, you have a question about the tale of two robots. Yeah, I do. Hi, Heather. Um, Hi. When you refer to the tale of two robots and the need to be more reactive to our environment, how do you get clients um, that prefer maybe a more traditional way of working um, to try more abstract methods? I think you have to choose your clients wisely. So I think there's a wide array of brands out there and you can waste a lot of time and create a lot of ideas that never see the light of day at one end and a lot of stuff can get made at the other. So I think we have to choose wisely where we invest our time and who gets our brain power, okay. which is hard when there's high unemployment and <laughs> other stuff going on. But Now, Heather, you're going to do a reading for us. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready, sir. All right. So from, from the end. Um, putting our ingenuity to good use. As I wrote and wrote and revised and revised, Brian Miller took a course at the Faber Academy, an esteemed creative writing program in London, and began writing his first novel. We swapped writing techniques and inspirational essays by writers who have gone before us, and he prompted me to think deeply about the crux of this book as he read early drafts and offered feedback. The reader will want to know why somebody with a life that most people dream about, living in one of the world's coolest cities with an amazing job in an aspirational industry, whose apartment is listed on Foursquare as a karaoke bar, decides to question it in a really profound way and throw it all up in the air, and why she doesn't go to an ashram but heads out to talk to a bunch of advertising people. My response, dear reader, stems from my perhaps strange belief that life is a lot like performing a circuit, circus plate spinning act. For me, there are three plates career, city, and love. And each plate has a question, what to do, where to live, who to love. Maybe you have a kids and health plate too if you're a particularly ambitious plate spinner. You might be able to keep a couple of plates going at once, but more, that's quite a feat. So we make choices. We languish in a city we hate because of an amazing job or for the love of our life. Or alternatively, we turn down a work opportunity to stay in our city, or we drop everything and follow love. I've never mastered spinning all the plates at once. Maybe I'm especially hard to please, restless even. I took on this project knowing I was completely open to a new city, a new job, and to love. I simply had the idea to apprentice myself, decided it was a good one, and went for it. But it was the commitment I made to write a book, 
that took me on the greater adventure. Despite knowing intellectually that brands must be created for the long term, my living in a project-based world for so many years has created an imbalance in me toward short-term thinking. And while a book can be broken down into smaller tasks, it is a long-term integrated construction, unlike any brand work I've ever worked on. Both agency and client, in my experience, have a bias toward short-term results, and that's to our detriment. Thank you, that was excellent. Um, Rihanna, you've got a question for Heather about using informants. Yes, hi Heather. During your time with Rob Campbell, he talks about kind of using informants for business. So I just wondered, um, what's kind of the best example that you think of using informants, whether it's um, an example of a time that you have or maybe someone else that you know, and how would you advise others to take that sort of approach? I think that what Rob had done was, was so brilliant. And I've since gone and learned like in ethnography, they use that term informant as well. So I think it is about doing more extreme ethnography. And that's a lot what I learned from Brian. Uh, one, I got to interview like uh, some hackers. So really like different perspectives, having something to bear on whatever it is that you're working on. Um, other than the hackers, what's something else that, that we've done? Oh, uh, well, and then like more recently, I've worked with like ultra high net worth targets and not really under, every time that I work on something, it opens my eyes to, oh, I didn't understand that category. I didn't know this type of people or whatever. And, you know, in that case, uh, you know, and it's timely with what's going on in the world. Like the number of millionaires and billionaires has shot up in recent years. The number of private plane um, you know, certifications has gone up 5x and it's like, oh, okay. So it's like informants help remove the scales from your eyes because it's like, why wouldn't you, it, kind of what um, Brian was saying earlier, it's like, why would you spend two weeks doing this if you could find somebody who knows the answer in five minutes? I think informants are cheat codes for what we do. So Heather, um, you've got a question for Heather about um, the book that she'd write today. Yeah, so uh, first of all, thank you, Heather, uh, for, for the experience in the first, first round. Uh, I'm kind of curious, who are our replacements? Who, if you're writing the book today, who would you put in it? Mm. Um, do you mean like in the marketing world or where I would go? But that's exactly yeah. it. It could be. Yeah. It's, it's where else would you go now? Who who else would would you would want to spend to do the same thing with? So I think like that. Um, part of why I did it was because I needed you guys as friends. I needed to have friends in the business, not just people to look up to. Like, I just read that book, Ninety Eight Percent Pure Potato. That's about the beginning of strat the strategy, uh, the account planning world. So Stanley Pollitt died at forty nine right? Like, I didn't know that, you know? So I think I'm so interested in health now that I would want to stay with some of the people that I see that are teaching me how to not get burnt out, how to recover, how to, you know, maintain my body. Those are the things that I'm really interested in now. And I think our careers, I think you taught me this, our careers are experiments of, you know, self-expression. And maybe we're just in this planner part for a while yeah. but it all it stays with us thanks sir 
Sahar, what was it like for you being uh, in, in the book? How did that influence or change your career? I think the, the lovely thing about Heather is that she's wonderfully disarming, um, very easy to get on with and, um, and not realize how advanced she actually is uh, on so many levels. Um, so I think the main thing that happened is that she challenged me to articulate some of the things I was thinking about and doing at the time to the point that I actually had to live up to them. Um, I actually had to go out and do them post the book. So all of the ideas that we were discussing in the book about making things and getting your hands dirty and stuff like that. Um, it was almost like, you know, I was already right at the edge and then Heather's book just pushed me over and, and, and made me embark on a new journey. So I think in many ways, Heather is very um, generous with her, her, her commentary about the people in the book, but I think it's the other way around. Personally, I benefited massively because she made me say stuff that I actually had to go and do. Okay, um, Kevin, our final question is coming from you and it's a question about the virtual future. One of the premises, or actually two of the premises of your whole um, uh, approach to this book, Heather, were that, that there was value in learning and that that was important. And that the sort of learning that was done, and you mentioned earlier that marketing isn't a profession, it's, a, it's more, like, more akin to a trade, is sort of absorbed almost osmotically by being in physical proximity to those people that you're looking to learn from. Um, you know, as we move towards, you know, perhaps accelerated by the current crisis we're going through and a lot of people looking at the, the cost of office space and the necessity to have people housed in expensive city center locations, as we move towards a kind of more virtual future and a more distributed workforce, um, how will this industry and perhaps many other industries um, manage to train its people effectively? if we're not going to be having people spending extensive amounts of time physically with one another? I think we might see a return to the offsite, you know, like, cause there's a lot you can do in a, in a long weekend together. And maybe those are some of the better experiences that I've had before doing this book. So, um, or, or like just building on to, you know, if, you, if the only time we're going to come together is the big meeting or the workshop or something, like use that time wisely. One of the companies that I work with now, um, Nick Strata started The Venturist. And every time we come together with a client, we have a campfire. And it's that belief that if you can break bread, eat something and be around a fire, it does change the dynamics. And it's been really interesting for me to see that that is very true. So I just, I hope that maybe we'll look to some of these other ways of how do humans connect and bring, bring those in. What do you think? Well, do you think if you were redoing the book that you could do it as effectively having two or three breakout sessions or offsites with the people that you spent time with, as opposed to going and living with them? Because I don't know what the experience was for other people, but for the three or four weeks or however long it was that you were with us we were we were kind of hand in hand through the day we kind of got up and we had breakfast together we walked to the office together we spent time in the office together we went off to meetings together we and it was a there was a perpetual and and I think that if you'd said I want to spend 
doing you know two or three sessions with you finding out what sticks is all about it would have been much more orchestrated whereas actually what you witnessed was the warts and all experience of what we were about and that was reflected in the way that you encapsulated that in certainly in the chapter that you wrote about us which i can say is very sort of true to what we what we are and i don't i don't know whether you would have actually got that if you'd if you'd done it in a much more um structured uh fashion i agree with that but i think you're asking two questions because one is the future of work right and the other is how did i do the book so the, the current workplace is, is really, you know, like we were talking about superficial, like, I don't know any, I don't know any of my previous bosses as deeply as I know the three of you guys, any of them, they do not care about me the, the way that you do. So anything that we can do to get to that place, to get closer to that place is going to be better. So right now there's nothing. It's like, we're supposed to you know, by playing kickball together occasionally and coming to a Christmas party together, we're supposed to be the best of friends. So something in between there, I think like this offsite idea and doing something that's hard together, you know, that could be like a physical thing. I think we, I've talked about this before. I feel like this job asked me to use my body to carry my brain around. I think we need our bodies. I think we need to be athletes practically. And that is something that I learned, like the three of you, I walked with, you guys are all big walkers and or, you know, Brian's a cycling maniac, but like, that was something of experiencing, like if it is not embedded into your day, you, you will not do it and you will, you know, not be, you know, your, your body is important. Your body is important. And I don't want to die at 49, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's what it all comes back to is like, we give so much of ourselves to work and, um, but it's a narrow part and there's more to us. And like, let's just be honest about, like, about that and be humane. Heather Lefebvre, thank you so much for being our guest on Book Club this month and for talking about brain surfing. And thanks of course to all the readers who took part today. If you'd like to join us on one of these recordings, please do get in touch via our website.